2: Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studio, presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers.
1: This is where Chicago goes to talk Bears. Sports Radio six seventy. The Score. Chicago's home for Bears fans. WSCR in HD Chicago. WBMX HD two Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The
2: Score. score! Station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome into the show. Inside the
3: clubhouse here on 670 the Score here in Chicago. This is not David Haw, this is Ryan Porth, assistant brand manager of 670 the score, producer of the Beat the Streak Daily podcast Inside the Hits, along with Matt Spiegel. For the next two hours talking baseball alongside the great Bruce Levine. Bruce, how are we doing this morning?
4: We're doing great, Brian, and just wonderful to have you on, uh, David, uh, taking the weekend off, working uh, pre- and post-game for the Chicago Cubs radio broadcasts and network. It's going to be great to continue to hear him there, and it's great having you in uh, on the show. I know you have a tremendous baseball background uh, and uh, you know, doing the uh, uh, executive producer and co-host of uh, Beat the Streak uh, podcast presented by MLB. and. Bet MGM every week is uh, is great. So welcome to the show and welcome to what might be uh, the most uh, important week for Chicago White Sox baseball uh, in 2022. It's going to be a week of um, having to win. It's going to be a week of people uh, who watch the White Sox and care about the White Sox having great angst. and. In my opinion, Ryan, it's a week where they must, take, uh, they must win five in a row here. They, they must sweep Detroit the rest of the weekend here. And Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, when Cleveland comes to town, they must uh, sweep the Indians. Uh, people will say, Ryan, well, Levine, you're nuts. First of all, you, you can't predict sweeps of five in a row. But Detroit, uh, as we saw last night, is a very vulnerable and weak team, and it was a shame the White Sox lost. And moving toward the Indian series Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at uh, the rate on the south side, uh, you you can't win two out of three. Uh, You win two out of three, you pick up one game. They they need to sweep the Indians coming in. Your thoughts?
3: Well, the team can't really approach it that way, right? I mean, they got to take it the one game at a time, the cliche. We can sit here and say – they got to win the next five, but the, if they go out tonight in Detroit and try to win the next five, they may lose again uh, against a very weak Tigers opponent. Uh, I would tend to agree that you have got to win these next five games. You probably, out of your last 17 games, have to win 13 or 14 of them to give yourself the the best chance possible to win the AL Central and make this comeback. And like you said, the three against Cleveland this week, I mean, you cannot give up one of them for the tiebreaker purpose. So if you only win two of three, Cleveland still wins the tiebreaker of head-to-head for the season, which means if you tie them at the end of the season for the division, Cleveland ends up winning the division and moving on to the postseason. So I would tend to agree. And last night, Bruce, that was a game that the White Sox could not afford to lose. And for seven innings, the shutout uh, you know tossed by Matt Manning of the Tigers, the White Sox offense looked anemic uh, most of those seven innings. Eighth inning, they get a jolt from Jose Abreu, the two-run double to to tie the game. But after that, Bruce, the Sox went hitless in their next eight at-bats, their final eight at-bats of the game. And I want to break down this 10th inning with you. It's tied 2-2 in the 10th inning. Josh Harrison, the nine-hole hitter, due up first for the Sox. Luis Robert pinch running at second. Some were surprised that Cairo did not bunt there with Josh Harrison at the plate. And here was Miguel Cairo's explanation after the game. I didn't, if I
4: were to bunt right there, move it over, I was, you know,
0: Lance, he's
3: nasty.
4: You know, we got Andrew coming up and Monkey, he threw a lot of sliders. So I was just trying to, you know, you visit her. So I want to be aggressive. That didn't work out.
3: So that was Miguel Cairo last night after the Sox loss in 10 innings. Bruce, were you surprised in live time that a bunt was not called for 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 Josh Harrison?
4: I am, but, you know, you, you have the same advantage in the bottom of the inning with a man on second base So uh, the, for for Detroit. So one run, in some people's minds, not really good enough uh, at, at that point. Uh, you're, you're going for an inning. You're going for driving in that run that's already in scoring position. Uh, that's how they look at it. They got three, three hitters to drive in that run. Uh, other people say, hey, you, you got to try to get that one run you can't you you can't think that uh, Detroit's going to score necessarily because they have a man at second base to start the bottom of the tenth. But it, it's you know it's worthwhile noting uh, that uh, for the first time since taking over for Tony La Russa, uh, you're starting to, to get people uh, involved in the fact that Miguel Cairo is not necessarily uh, going to go uh, 162 and 0 if he's the manager of the Chicago White Sox. In 2023, Uh, you're still going to take exception to uh, getting the job done by players and managers putting the players in position to get that run in to uh, get the job done. The the fact remains from this. The White Sox offense is still, even though it's been better over the last two weeks, still suspect. They they get shut out by a bad Colorado team on Thursday, on, uh, on, on Wednesday. On Thursday, they beat Cleveland and beat them soundly, a game they had to win, and, and kudos to them for doing it. And then yesterday, they scored two runs in 10 innings against one of the worst teams in baseball. And if you watch that whole game, Ryan, you saw so many opportunities for the White Sox to score more runs because of bad defense. By Detroit. Detroit's are mm-hmm. they're, they're not only one of the worst offenses in baseball. They're inept. Okay, they play losing baseball, and and to lose to them, you know, I'm the first one to say every bad team is going to win sixty games no matter what, and you might be the uh, you you might be the the one team that they beat that they you shouldn't shouldn't have happened. But in reality, that that's a game. Uh, That you're supposed to win and you're supposed to win that game pretty easily yesterday. So from from that perspective um, I think the reality that the White Sox are still the White Sox and they're not scoring seven runs a night uh, is, Is something that you have to deal with here. The one thing about the White Sox. I still like and I've liked all year They get predominantly a very good starting pitching performance every single night and that's what's kept them viable Uh, Their defense, their offense, their base running has not been that. The offense has been better lately. Uh, Your thoughts, Ryan?
3: Well, Lucas Giolito, I thought, was better last night. I didn't think he was great. I thought he was better than the average Lucas Giolito throughout the season, which has been a roller coaster for him. But, yeah, I mean, Johnny Cueto, what a pickup that was uh, right before the season. He's been fantastic. We all know Dylan Cease is in the hunt for the AL Cy Young, although last night Justin Furlander coming back with five no-hit uh, innings, uh, in Houston with nine strikeouts. I think Verlander is starting to grab a a stranglehold on the, on the Cy Young, but Cease has become an ace. Lance Lynn is pitching really well. He pitched really well Thursday in Cleveland. So yeah, I mean, pitching for the most part this season has kept them in this race as dysfunctional as that team has been all season long.
4: So, the show theme today is Do the White Sox have to win the next five? Do they have to sweep Detroit and sweep Cleveland? 312 644 6767. Cub fans, we haven't forgot you. Chris Bryant in town with Colorado. He's on the IL. We don't know if he's going to play the rest of the year, recovering from plantar fasciitis in his right foot. Uh, not sure if he's going to play. Cub question to you is. A year removed, a year and two months removed from the Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez non signing being traded. Was that the exact right move for Jed Hoyer and the Chicago Cubs? 312 644 6767. Ryan, uh, with, with the Chicago White Sox still continuing on this weekend here, um, I'm just looking at uh, the rest of the weekend. You put it well. Uh, you can't think about winning five straight when you have to win the game tonight. But, that, ha- you know, they are, they have to be realistic about where they're at. Ryan, it has to weigh on them knowing that they're five games out in the loss column with 17 games to go. Yeah,
3: it's a pressure cooker for the Sox, for sure. I mean, these next two games you have to win, and we, we see teams all the time, is whether they're leading a division by a few games or trailing by a few games, September is a pressure cooker for a lot of teams across Major League Baseball. Perhaps we're seeing that here in the last five games for the Sox. Kind of weigh on them. They've lost three of these last five games. Uh, We'll see what they do these next couple of games. But you've got this huge series looming at home against Cleveland. If you win these next two games, I think no matter what Cleveland does, you're putting yourself in a position where if you win those three games against Cleveland, you're putting the pressure on them the rest of the way in the final two weeks. But... I mean, when you look at fan graphs, Bruce, I mean, fan graphs, looking at the percentages, the odds to win the AL Central, Cleveland, 83.3%, and the White Sox just 11.7%. And then you have Minnesota with a distant 4.9% chance of winning. I've already counted them out. Minnesota's not winning the division. It's either the Guardians or the Sox. And last night, whatever good vibes you had after Thursday, when you went in there and just rocked Cleveland uh, with all those home runs, uh, it looked like it felt like a statement win for the Sox. All those good vibes, poof, gone. You had a chance to beat Detroit in extras. You went down looking. If you're Elvis Andrews in the 10th inning, Yoan Moncada strikes out, and then the ten, the bottom of the 10th inning was just a blunder for the Sox. They, they could not get out of their own way there. Um, and you lose that game. Cleveland storms back to win at home against Minnesota late in that game. And – Again, all the good vibes that you had from Thursday's win are gone. You're back in the same position that you entered Thursday in, which is four games back and time running out.
4: You know, the Indian uh, Indians, okay, minus one for me. The Guardians uh, obviously started a young pitcher. They weren't going to disrupt their rotation uh, against the White Sox. Uh, they probably knew they were going to lose that game. They had a good chance of losing it. They didn't care. They were not going to disrupt the rest of the rotation moving forward here uh, over the weekend against Minnesota and then into the White Sox series next week. So they were they were positioned to lose that game. I don't think they felt bad about it. I, I don't think they worried about it. It was a good sign for the White Sox to hit five home runs. Uh, they took care of business, give them credit for it. But uh, it just shows you, you know, the NFL mentality of baseball at the end of the year, you know, it's, it's like you you have to win this game as you pointed out at the beginning of the show you don't always win this game you know you don't always you're not always going to be able to do that uh that that's just the way it goes and, they, and again three one two six four four six seven six seven do the the white sox have to go on a streak of winning five in a row to be legitimate going toward the end of the season here those three games with uh, the Indians loom large next week but they still have to get by Detroit the next two.
3: Well, let's listen to Liam Hendricks, what he had to say after the game last night. Again, the Sox know they're behind the eight ball here down the stretch. They lose this game in extras. At this point in the locker room, when they're being asked questions, they know Cleveland has has beaten Minnesota. Here's Liam Hendricks on trying to catch Cleveland this late in the season.
2: Yeah, we still got three against them, and we've, we've got some guys that we have played decent against, so... As long as it, uh, it'll, it'll all even out. At the end of the day, if we win, we uh, we have a chance. And if we don't, then we don't. And that's something that we need to get, take day by day. We can't look ahead and look at the scoreboard every time because it just gets disheartening sometimes. So, I mean, Miguel has preached that pretty much, that just focus on what you guys yeah. are doing. Don't worry about Cleveland or Minnesota. It doesn't
3: matter. If we win, it'll, the, it'll all settle up. If we win more than most, if we win every series, we've got a good chance and that's all that matters. It's never too late until we're eliminated. So you can come you back can, you can, you can so, yeah, let's stop saying it's too late because it's not too late until we're eliminated. That was Liam Hendricks last night after the loss for the White Sox. Bruce, your reaction to what Liam Hendricks had to say there uh, after uh, after the loss where they're now four back of Cleveland?
4: Well, you know, it's it's what you have to say and it's it's how you have to think. I mean, you, you can't think five games like we're talking about here on the show. Uh, you have to think about the next game. You have to remember that he's being talked to after he pretty much lost the game himself yesterday because of bad defense. Uh, you know, he just, he could, he fielded a bunt, looked towards third. Nobody was there uh, through a, a bouncer to the first base. That was wide of uh Bray. U. he couldn't come up with it. You have a horrible situation there in the bottom of the 10th where you, instead of uh, a man on and, uh, and one out, you have first and third and nobody out and, although he pitched well to, to get to the, the third hitter and had got two outs, you know, fly ball ended it for him and, and they, they lost the game. So uh, he wasn't very happy with himself or the situation, but uh, I don't think Liam Hendricks, or Liam Hendricks lost the game for the White Sox. The White Sox in, being inept at uh, taking advantage of a bad Detroit team throughout that game. Uh, was the reason why they lost
3: yeah especially offensively when when you think of the tiebreaker conundrum that the Sox find themselves in where again they would have to win all three against Cleveland this week to win the tiebreaker in case they tie at the end of the season for for the division think back Bruce to that May 9th game at home against Cleveland where they're up eight to two in the ninth inning and the Guardians come back to win that game an extra is 12 to nine the possibly the the craziest game that we've seen from the Sox this season which there have been a lot of them uh yeah. that one game back in May if the Sox cl- close that out I mean they wouldn't be behind the eight ball as much as they are in now it is crazy to think about it like that
4: yeah I, I mean you, you're right uh, that's a huge game I, I just I just think of, I mean, the head-to-head is, is huge as you point out but I just think of you know so many different games uh the, the game that Angle uh, couldn't catch the, the ball in foul territory in the ninth inning against Baltimore, and they come back and win it. Uh, the game where Angle uh, and uh, Mancara both failed to tag up into the most uh, uh, unbelievable triple play that anyone's ever seen in history, uh, where both guys miss tagging up and both of them get uh, tagged out going back. There, there's been a lot of uh, uh, really lo- horrible losses for the White Sox this year, predicated Ryan, predicated on the fact that their offense, for the most part, has been uh, out to lunch. It just hasn't been there this year. This team was never set up to play close games. Yes, they had good starting pitching. Yes, they have a very good bullpen. But no, they weren't set up to be trying to win 3-2 to two and 2-1 two to one games every night. That is not White Sox baseball. White Sox baseball is what you saw on Thursday out homer the other team. Okay. Bludgeon them, uh, not having, uh, little things for one run games, impact, uh, you losing a ball game that you should have won. That, that just hasn't been White Sox baseball. And a lot of it has to do with injury, uh, which is not their fault, uh, to, um, um, Eloy and to, um, your center fielder, uh, with, with those guys being out as much as they've been out this year, it's had a, a tremendous impact on the team. Uh, the ball being dumbed down by Major League Baseball this year, home runs being down, uh, Abreu uh, sitting on 15 home runs, even though he's had a great hitting year, he hasn't had a great OPS year, a great uh, run production year. So from all of that, um, it's been a different White Sox team in 2022.
1: Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
0: Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher Online Shop stage to the first real-life store stage all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage, Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other
2: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
3: White Sox team here in 2022. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse. Ryan Porthin for David Hall this morning alongside Bruce Levine. Bruce, you want to squeeze in a, a call on the, the Sox here? Absolutely. All right, let's go to Rusty in Orlando, who's listening uh, to us here on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Rusty, welcome into
5: the show. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Uh, Good morning, Bruce. Great show as always. Uh, I enjoy listening. Unfortunately, uh, this year in my 67 years of being a White Sox fan has caused me to become a caller, Uh, which I feel better after I get it off my chest. Uh, listen, last night's game was just a microcosm of this season. The Sox are just a fundamentally poor team. I disagree. He should have been bunting. Josh Harrison should have been bunting. You have uh, your nine hitter up, he hasn't had a great year. Then you have uh, Andrus, who was basically single handedly, along with, well, him and Eloy, kept them in things the last couple of weeks. And then Moncada, who is just uh, an enigma. Uh, but that being said you know this team is uh you know just when you think you're out they pull you back in and it's just the most frustrating season uh that i can ever remember and while they're not mathematically eliminated you still have to believe and you still have to hope Uh, i just want to address what i believe needs to happen uh i think it Immediately upon them being eliminated, whether it's uh, during the regular season or during postseason, if they make it, uh, they have to announce that uh, Tony La Russa is going to become a consiguiere and move upstairs into the box for the remaining year. I do believe that they need to terminate all their coaches. If you want to bring back uh, Ethan Katz, I have no problem with that. If you want to bring back uh, the lifer, longtime White Sox uh, player and uh, coach. Darryl Boston, I have no problem with that. But this team is the worst in fundamentals. Uh, they can't execute a relay. They can't defend a bunt. They don't know how to bunt. Uh, they're the worst base running team, and that's all coaching. I still don't know what Jerry Naren and Shelly Duncan do for this team. Maybe they're nothing more than uh, seatmates for Tony. But uh, I think you start there. Then you uh, – I believe Rick Hahn has to take uh, a little bit of uh, a bullet here. Don't forget all we've been talking about all year and all off season was the money will be there. Yes, they have the seventh uh, largest payroll, but that's with some really bad contracts, and it's only going to get worse next year.
3: Yeah, thanks, Rusty, from uh, Orlando for calling in. Bruce, I mean, th- there you have a longtime White Sox fan – Saying that you know the sixty-seven years of his White Sox fandom, well, this is now making him a caller here on six seventy the score because of how frustrating it is. I mean, right, right. It, it's just unbelievable how how crazy this season has made White Sox fans.
4: Well, Ryan, you're you're right. And uh, you know, a uh, a close friend of mine uh, just texted me. Uh, people, someone people would know, but he'll remain unnamed at this point. Uh, just said, "It's roster construction." Okay. Uh, are they are they constructed to be able to play small ball when uh, they can? Are they constructed to be a good defensive team? Are they constructed to be a good base running team? To me, I've said it all year: the White Sox are uh, of the old vintage White Sox of good starting pitching and power. Okay, that is the pre- that's what they're predicated on: a power hitting team, no left handed power uh, because of the fact that Grandal. Uh, whether it's a bad knee or he's just fading uh, has not been able to supply it when he's been out there on the field this year, he was the main source of left-handed power last year. So, you know, the roster construction is no, not enough left-handed hitting balance and the power hitting right-handers have not been out there due to injury and uh, not, not being the players that they were in the past. Uh, You know, again, uh, home runs and starting pitching. That's what the White Sox used to be. Uh, they used to be that way uh, for a long time. A very good team, uh, but not a winning team uh, as far as championships go before Ozzie Guillen got here. When he got here, uh, him and Kenny Williams came up with the idea at that point, and Rick Hahn was a part of that front office too, that, hey, we have to be better. We have to have more speed. We have to have better defense if we're going to win. Uh, they addressed that with the, the, the first big trade of uh, trading Carlos Lee to Milwaukee for uh, Scott Pesednik. That changed the entire 2005 year, it changed the, the entire mentality of White Sox baseball. Okay, So uh, from all of that, uh, the White Sox are a two-dimensional team to me, a power-hitting team and a uh, starting pitching team. The bullpen's pretty good. I mean, they fortified it. Uh, Hendricks has been great but honestly um, you know as the caller said they have to address defense they have to address base running they have to address roster construction regardless of what happens uh, the rest of this year it
3: is definitely a talented yet flawed team for the White Sox who tonight in Detroit again they are under a lot of pressure to win almost every single game here on out they'll have Johnny Cueto starting tonight uh, opposite Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez for the Detroit Tigers, 5 first pitch for that one. The Guardians have a doubleheader today against the Twins, 12-10 and 6-10 start times. Before you play Cleveland this week, the Guardians will play four against the Twins, and you will play two against the Tigers, so definitely need some help from Minnesota uh, uh, up there in Cleveland. Coming up next, the Cubs won 2-1 to one yesterday against the Colorado Rockies. They got a good outing from Marcus Stroman PJ Higgins of the Chicago Cubs will join us here on Inside the Clubhouse. We are coming to you live from the score Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. I'm Ryan Porth, in for David Hall, alongside the great Bruce Levine. Keep it locked here. PJ Higgins is next on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score.
5: I think we have a bunch of younger guys, especially guys who haven't necessarily established
3: themselves at the big league levels. Um, but are going to be guys that will establish themselves and be everyday big leaguers and be guys that have big years. So that's what you're seeing in the guys that we're bringing up. If they're getting an opportunity and when you have an opportunity to play every single day, um, you can kind of showcase your true potential and your true to, to, like the true star in you um, more so than when you're getting platooned or not getting everyday opportunities. So yeah, I think we're I think these guys are kind of uh, showing what they're capable of and I think it's awesome because I think we're going to have a ton of depth within the next few years in this organization that was Marcus Stroman following yesterday's 2-1 win for the Chicago Cubs commenting on all the young players that the Cubs have in their lineup and in the rotation in the bullpen all across the roster right now uh, here in the final weeks of the 2022 regular season this is inside the clubhouse Ryan Porthin for David Haw this morning alongside the great Bruce Levine and joining us now is one of those young players, P.J. Higgins of the Chicago Cubs. P.J., thank you so much for joining us here on, uh, on 670 The Score. How are we doing this morning?
6: Yeah, very good. Thanks for having me, guys.
3: P.J., you guys are playing good ball this week. You went into New York. The, the Mets have been one of the best home teams all season long. You sweep the Mets. You start the series against the Rockies yesterday with a win. What's the mentality right now in that clubhouse as you guys are, are entering this final stretch here?
6: Um, honestly, I just think we've been playing just a solid brand of baseball. I mean, our stars have been pitching exceptionally well. I feel like collectively as, as a hitting group, we've been swinging the bats and having quality at bats and working counts deep into <clears throat> working deep in counts. And I just think playing good defense behind our pitchers, making a lot of good plays defensively. And I just think collectively playing a really good brand of baseball. And that's why we're having the success that we're having.
4: Uh, Ryan, uh, Pete, I've been wearing out PJ all year, going <laughs> to his locker, getting insight uh, from him. And uh, PJ, one of the things I asked you the other day, I want you to talk about on the air, and that is uh, when when you heard about the the rule changes uh, coming up in Major League Baseball this for next year, I immediately went to you and asked you about you know what what it's like in the minor leagues right now with pitch clock. Can you uh, enlighten some of our? great listeners and people that listen to our show across the country and the world about what it is like to have to react to as a hitter being in the box for eight seconds and getting in there in eight seconds and how it is for the pitcher catcher combo to be ready to throw the pitch in 15 seconds.
6: Yeah. I mean, I was able to early on this year when I was in AAA to experience those rules and, Basically, I got used to them while I was down there. And, uh, I mean, it is quick. It's a quick adjustment to make. Um, the games do go by faster. I'm not going to lie about that. But uh, I think the biggest adjustment is being able just to try to gather yourself as quick as possible and then create a plan and then go execute the plan. And then with the that's that's with hitting and get it in the box. Make sure you're looking at the pitcher right away. And then uh, for the pitcher-catcher um, – That was a bit of an adjustment because it does speed you up in terms of, I mean, we don't have pitch calm there, so it speeds you up in terms of getting the signs. And if the pitcher shakes, then you got to make sure that they're going before the time's out. So that that was a bit of an adjustment at times, but we were able to get through it. PJ, one follow-up on the pitch clock. One question
3: that I've had this week in thinking about that rule change is how often is Major League Baseball actually going to enforce it you know, throughout games, from your experience in AAA, how often was it enforced? Was it a daily, a nightly deal where you're, you're thinking about it, um, where umpires were enforcing it, or were they a little lax on that?
6: So, I think, like, the first couple weeks, it was, it was, like, trial-based, so they kind of let us do our thing and kind of get used to all the rules settings, but once the rules were actually implemented, they they're pretty strict. On enforcing those rules and once I started forcing those rules I'll be honest like the adjustment that was made by the players there, there wasn't much controversy in terms of umpires making calls in terms of like calling a strike on a batter or calling a ball on a pitcher the players were able to adapt pretty quickly I think
1: and uh,
6: honestly but they were they were strict in enforcing those rules and they kept reminding the catcher or the the clock, the pitcher, and stuff like that.
4: PJ Higgins, our guest from the Chicago Cubs and inside the clubhouse. Ryan Porce sitting in for David Hall this week. I'm Bruce Levine with you every week, 52 weeks out of the year talking baseball here on the score, Saturdays from 9 to 11. And uh, PJ, um, being a winning ball player is something that people take an awful lot of pride in. When other players, managers, coaches (coughs) – point to a guy they say here's the guy that's a winning player not necessarily the guy that puts up the biggest numbers not necessarily the guy uh that is uh, getting all the attention but the david ross type player on a team many of your teammates uh have pointed to your locker when uh when they've come up and they've said to me pj is a winning player he cares about his teammates All he tries to do is help you win a ball game every day. Um, How does that fly with you when you hear that? And also, how difficult do you think that is for Major League General managers to get their heads around, uh, knowing that maybe the numbers aren't necessarily gaudy, but the results for the team are good?
6: I mean... I mean, just hearing that, I mean, that's an honor to be even recognized as being a winning baseball player. But, I mean, for me, how I go about my business, and how I go about my game, I've been playing this game a very long time, and that's kind of how I approach it. I mean, I, I don't like sitting back there catching and trying not to win the game, you know. So, it's, there's a lot of energy wasted if you're not going to go out and try and win the game. And, I mean, that's why we play the game begin with and that's kind of how it was rooted into me when i was younger so um but like i said like that's how i've always played the game in terms of execution you do a hit run put a bunt down move a runner like that's just my mindset when i play the game and i've been doing that my whole life and i haven't changed uh quite frankly and um to answer the second question i mean that's just honestly like that's out of my control i mean i i, I I'm going to play my game the way it is and if the numbers aren't quite there what people expect and that is but I, I know I can go to sleep every night knowing that I gave it my all to try and win the game and help the team win.
3: PJ Higgins of the Chicago Cubs is here with us on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 the Score. All guests join us on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas home of the world's largest sports book. PJ, this season for the Cubs you've played first base, you've played catcher, you've played third base. What goes into learning all those different defensive positions to make sure that you're ready to go no matter, you know, what position David Ross calls upon you to
6: to play each day? Um, Honestly, there's constant repetition of on days I don't play, or days I do play. If I play first base, I'm going to go out and get ground balls and make sure I get all the reps and all the footwork things done that I need to do to make sure I'm ready to play that. If I'm going to play third, I'll do the same thing there and, Catching, honestly, I probably do a lot more with catching bullpens and catching off the machine, make sure my blocking is good and watching video on that to make sure I'm still in tune with that. So, I mean, it's just a lot of repetition. And I mean, I, I've, I've done this a lot throughout my career, so the flexibility to bounce around and if they need me here, I'm, I'm not caught on surprised by it. So, I'm just kind of used to it at this point, if I'm being honest.
3: P.J. Higgins of the Chicago Cubs has been our guest here on 670 The Score. P.J., thank you so much for uh, for joining us this morning, and good luck this afternoon against the Rockies.
6: Uh, thanks for having me, guys.
3: All right, P.J. Higgins of the Cubs joining us here on Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce, yesterday the Cubs winning their fourth in a row, winning 2-1 against the Rockies. Today uh, they'll have Hayden Wisneski pitching. Uh, should be an interesting afternoon for the Cubs to see the uh, the youngster who was in the – uh, the trade with the Yankees back in July for Scott Efros uh, seeing his first start today uh, at Wrigley.
4: Yeah, he pitched in relief and he pitched great the, the first time out. I, I think there's, a, there's a tremendous amount of, imp, of uh, emphasis being put on uh young cub pitching that the, the organization is starting to show. And we we've seen a lot of guys like Assad come up and pitch. Well, um, it, it's good that they have these arms coming uh, and, and, Wisniewski uh, today is going to be fun to watch. Uh, It gives uh, the the Cub fan base and the front office a lot of hope for the future. So uh, I think people are looking forward to seeing more pitching in. As Hoyer said on numerous occasions, including uh, last week, uh, again, uh, the the rebuild is is going to be built around uh, uh, starting pitching and arms uh, in the organization coming through. They're not going to be paying $100 million dollars of a payroll toward starting pitching, like they did uh, during the first rebuild,
3: for sure. Cubs Rockies coverage coming up at twelve forty-five today with the pregame with Zach Zabelman. One twenty-first pitch over at Wrigley Field between the Cubs and the Rockies. Uh, Joe Madden coming up at the top of the hour. We are very much looking forward to that. The former Cubs manager, uh, now a free agent in the managing world, but coming up next, the Cubs do have eighteen games left. But a lot of the chatter around the Cubs is the upcoming. Off season. Matt Spiegel laid out his off season plan yesterday on Parkinson Spiegel. We are going to react to that on Chin Music here on Inside the Clubhouse. I'm Ryan Porthin for David Hall alongside Bruce Levon. You're listening to Six Seventy The Score.
2: High and inside, oh, chin music, a little chin music, take for It's time for some Chin Music.
5: hey Jan. how about a warning? Sure. Watch
2: out,
1: you don't get killed.
2: <laughs> because sometimes in baseball, you've got to send a strong message, especially when someone has it coming. Each Saturday, David and Bruce come in high and tight with a response to something that deserves one, like this. You guys talk about it. Sign good players and then add them to other good players. Now, right, just quickly, they they get Xander Bogarts, who's a great, great hitter, and let him play shortstop initially, even though he shouldn't long-term. Then they'll move him to second base or third base. Carlos Rodon to front the rotation. I love Brandon Nimmo to play center field and lead off. I would love to see Brandon Nimmo get here. And then, like, guys like Christopher Morrell and Patrick Wisdom are bench pieces. Okay? They're just they're extra uh, depth pieces. And the big key to this working out for me... Is this kid Matt Mervis has given every chance to win the opening day first base job, and I think that dude is ready to freaking mash and let's effing go. That is a team capable of a nationally wild card spot, and if things break right, I think that is a team that is uh, ready to hit spring training with contending as a legit possibility.
3: That was Matt Spiegel yesterday on Parkins and Spiegel giving his 2022 Cubs off-season plan uh, as, again, 18 games left in the regular season for the Cubs, everyone talking and looking ahead to the off-season. So, Bruce, Spiegel laid out his plan yesterday for the Cubs to become a wild-card team next year, and that is to go out in free agency and sign Xander Bogarts at short, Brandon Nimmo at center field, and to bring in Carlos Rodon to be basically your ace of the rotation. Do you agree or disagree with Spiegel's take that that is the winning game plan this offseason for the Cubs?
4: Well, I will uh, say this, uh, I'm I'm going to take about 30 seconds out call Tom Ricketts and uh, ask him if he can write a check for about 400 million dollars for those three players. If he if he's ready to to sign off on that, some good points some good players that will fit uh i I like the idea that uh you have to bring in the free agents at the right time the right place i'm not so sure this is the right time to bring in carlos rodan uh at age 30 and going through his first year since 2014 when he was a rookie of going through a full season without being injured uh first year Okay, Uh, Ryan injury every every year certainly one of the top pitchers in the game again last year He was an all-star this year. He's an all-star one of the top left-handers in the game He's gonna walk away from 22 million dollars Because he can with the Giants in the second year of his deal Uh, What is it going to take to sign Carlos Rodan to a long-term deal? Do you are you willing to put up uh, five or six years at twenty five million dollars a year for Carlos Rodon uh, Same thing with uh, Bogut. Are, are you are you ready at it? 31 to give him a Twenty-five million dollar contract times. What would you say six? Uh, so uh, is this the right time to plug in the free agents? I like Matt's points. I'm not so sure 2023 is the year if you look at the team right now, Ryan, look at the team on the field and look at the pitching staff and say, how many players are they away from being a contending team? Which was Matt's premise. I would say they're more than three players away from being a contending team.
3: I would agree with that. Although, this second half of the season, you've seen some pieces for the Cubs where. It's like, all right, these guys, some of these guys are going to be able to be key pieces for, say, like the next three to five years, but I don't know if they have enough of them to go out and spend money in free agency to surround them and then call yourself a, uh, a bona fide playoff contender at that point. To me, I agree with you. You have to spend your money wisely in free agency. You just can't spend uh, just to spend. If Trey Turner is out there, if the Dodgers let him get to free agency – Trey Turner is a guy that I feel very comfortable investing in. He's someone that can be your leadoff hitter for at least the next five years. He plays great ball. He's a great base runner. He's a great fielder. He's a great all-around player. The Dodgers would be stupid to let him walk um, because they've got Betts, Turner, Freeman atop that lineup, and that's uh, pretty imposing. But if he's out there, Bruce, that's the guy that I'm targeting. If I'm Jed Hoyer to bring in and make an impact uh, on that team offensively and defensively. Yep.
4: You're going to have the $300 million ready for him?
3: Sure. Sure. Okay. I will uh, pull out my wallet right now, um, and we okay. will take it over to Wrigley Field, over to, uh, to Addison, and we will supply it to the Cubs, and they will be able to spend that money on Trey Turner this offseason.
4: Well, I love Turner, and I think he he is an important player going forward uh, for any organization. Is he ready to commit to the at this point of their rebuild? We'll see, but I I don't think the Cubs will be afraid to sign a great player like him. Uh, The number is 312-644-6767. We're going to talk to Joe Madden next. Joe has a book out. It's called The Book of Joe, Trying Not to Suck at Baseball in Life. The only only Joe Madden could have a book with that title on it. He'll be our guest next. And Ryan, uh, looking forward to talking to Joe and doing the next hour's show with you.
3: Absolutely, more from Joe Madden, and we'll also get his take on Shohei Ohtani versus Aaron Judge in the AL MVP race as well. That's all coming up next. He's Bruce Levine. I'm Ryan Porth, in for David Hall on Inside the Clubhouse here on 670 The Score.